On this episode, I dive into the NFC and AFC Championship games, give you my thoughts, give you my takes, and I'll also dive into college basketball from this past week and looking ahead at the weekend. Plus, I dive into hockey for the first time in a long time, and even though I'm not an expert on it, I will definitely give my takes on how the Red Wings are doing. You'll find that, plus a little bit more, on this episode of the Get Stoked Podcast. Here we go. It is Friday, January 27th. Welcome back to the Get Stoked Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Stokel. Let's get right into things with this weekend, Sunday, 3.30 and 6.30. 49ers at Eagles, excuse me, is at 3 o'clock on Fox in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a two and a half point favorite to win this game over the 49ers. And the big question for this game is, can Brock Purdy's undefeated streak, his unbelievable performance as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, will it continue or will it come to a screeching halt in Philadelphia? And can Jalen Hurts lead a team that has been projected all season to make it at this point? Can he face the pressure? Those are the two biggest questions for this upcoming matchup. And I have to say, San Francisco has the number one defense, while the Philadelphia Eagles has the number one offense. This is going to be a matchup for the ages, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a matchup that we all have been anticipating ever since Christian McCaffrey got traded to the 49ers. And once Jimmy Garoppolo got injured, Brock Purdy stepped up. No one thought that San Francisco would be in this position, but yet, here they are. Ever since Brock Purdy stepped up the up to the plate, excuse me, they have been perfect. No losses. They've beaten Dallas. They've beaten Seattle. They've beaten every single team since Jimmy G went down. And not to say that this is a blessing to, in disguise, which it's it's terrible that he had to go down the way he did. And you wish that he could have finished out this season. Well, Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. He is now Mr. Relevant, being last in the draft. Nobody wanted him. He was too small. His, his length of his arm was too small. His deepest throw was not long enough. Nobody wanted him. But the San Francisco 49ers picked him up, thinking that he may have a chance. And he has the chance to make it to the Super Bowl if they get it past the Eagles. Now, I'm not saying it's a 100% lock, but I don't think that the Eagles have played the 49ers this season. And I don't, I don't think same the other way. Well, of course it has to be the other way. But I will say this. Philadelphia is good. They definitely have the offensive firepower. But San Francisco has the stellar defense. They have been solid all season. 
And that's just putting it lightly. I could say more, but they've been aggressive. They've been versatile, physical, downright amazing. So this is going to be what my take is. Philadelphia is a two and a half point favorite, but I'm going to go with San Francisco. Yes, you heard that right. I'm going with the 49ers. Their defense has been too much for opposing teams in their last seven, eight, nine games. And not just because of that. Brock Purdy is going to feel confident in this game like he has every single game he started. Brock Purdy, of course, is going to be a little slow. He may have an interception early in the game. But once the second half starts, locked in, down the field they go, opening drive in the second half. If they get the ball in the second half, touchdown 49ers. And I got to give this to the San Francisco 49ers for another reason. You have Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. On the other side of the ball, you have Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, I was going to say Amari Cooper, but he's in Cleveland. I was thinking A.J. Brown. This is going to be a matchup, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a slugfest of a game. Give me San Francisco. 35-32. to 32, 49ers go on to the Super Bowl. Then, arguably the biggest game of the day, the biggest game for Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs, Bengals, Kansas City is a one and a half point favorite. Now, Mahomes is clearly the better quarterback, and he's been cleared to play according to Andy Reid. But will the Chiefs go 0 and 4 against the Bengals? Or will Patrick Mahomes go 0 and 4 against the Bengals? And I've seen stuff online where some of the Bengals players are calling Arrowhead Burrowhead because he's been undefeated there. But. I will say this, the Chiefs have the better offense, arguably the best offense in the AFC, whereas the Bengals have the best defense. They have the better defense. You have Eli Apple at cornerback, probably one of the best cornerbacks right now. And yes, he could be sloppy at times, but it's either him or Jalen Ramsey has the best cornerbacks in the league. And Eli Apple, he had his head knocked around a little bit last season in the Super Bowl. But now I think he's a much better player, much more versatile, much more lockdown. I want to go Bengals, but I think that the Cincinnati Bengals will lose this game. Kansas City will go on, and we may see a potential Kansas City-San Francisco matchup. We may see it again from 2019. And Brock Purdy may lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl win. But before we get there, Chiefs will win this one in an absolute slugfest. Travis Kelsey, you have Jarek McKinnon, Vantilis Scantling, J.J. McCarthy is not on this team. He's in college. Juju Smith-Schuster is who I was going for. Kansas City will win this one by a field goal coming down to the wire or at least tie it to go into overtime. And all you need is Patrick Mahomes, 13 seconds down the field in overtime, ball game. This is going to be a slug fest of a game, ladies and gentlemen. This is the type of 
semifinal matchups we've been waiting for. You have the Bengals, you have the Chiefs, and everyone thought it was going to be the Bills. Everyone thought it was going to be the Bills up at this point. Playing at a neutral site in Atlanta, which I really don't know why that was even an option. I don't really agree with having a neutral site because I think having it at a place like Arrowhead or at the number one seed gives it much more meaning. It gives it more attitude, I guess, is a way to put it. And it gives the fans more ability to go to the game. And I don't think any of these fans, hypothetically speaking, if it were in Atlanta, I feel like a good amount would want to go, but the prices would just be outrageous. I feel like that's what the biggest thing would be is the prices of this potential neutral site game would just be outrageous, much like the Super Bowl is already the biggest game of the year. So I'm really glad that the Bills lost, but at the same time, I wish they had gone on. And I'm really glad that it's not at a neutral site because I feel like I'd lose the significance of the AFC Championship being hosted by the number one seed. And the Rams had it with the 49ers last year. The Chiefs had it again last year. They this is this is a continuous pattern for the last five seasons for the Chiefs. They've been to the AFC Championship every single time since Patrick Mahomes took over. And with that being said, he has the better arm. He has the better pocket awareness. He has more mobility. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow has any has none of that. He has great pocket awareness. He has great field vision. And what I think Joe Burrow differentiates from Patrick Mahomes is that Joe Burrow has been that guy since he won the championship at LSU. He has a field vision like no one else in the NFL right now. He is standing himself apart to be a very good quarterback and a very great quarterback at that. And I know he's chasing rings right now. It's hard to get seven. Tom Brady was able to do it. What they had in Foxborough was special and will never, I don't think anything will be close to that. And what I like about Joe Burrow, and I feel like everyone's going to do this now that Tom Brady set the precedent for rings, seven rings for an individual, six for a team, is that everyone's going to try to chase that. And every single team is going to get better. Some teams may get worse. Like, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars got better. The Detroit Lions got better. The Cincinnati Bengals got better. The Kansas City Chiefs have already been good. They've been the best team thus far in the regular season. They've been the best team for the majority of the postseason. So this is what I'll say about this game. This game has major implications for the AFC because this may be the new rivalry, much like Peyton and Brady was. Everyone thought it was going to be Allen and Mahomes. It's now going to be Burrow and Mahomes. That's going to be the new Brady-Peyton-Manning. And I know Peyton Manning doesn't have nearly the amount of Super Bowls as Tom Brady, but he is still the second greatest quarterback of all time because he won one in Indianapolis. I forgot where he went for the beginning. And then he won one in Denver. And to have 
two different Super Bowls with two different teams is rare. I know Tom Brady did it. John Elway did it, if I remember correctly, and several other quarterbacks, and not even just quarterbacks, several players other than quarterbacks have done it. But the most notable is, of course, quarterbacks. So with this game, it's going to set a precedent for the AFC for years to come. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning already said it. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are going to continue it and take it to a whole nother level. So this is what I will say about this game. This is going to be a slugfest. It's going to come down to the wire. A great offense versus a really good defense. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, who's going to win it? Well, this is going to be my take. Kansas City is going to win this one either at the final seconds or in overtime. And what I will say about the Bengals is that they may be getting a little cocky about this game coming in. Now, I don't think Joe Burrow is. I think the rest of the team is. And as a quarterback and a captain, I think it's Joe Burrow's job to humble his team and say, look, we can't get over our heads, but we need to focus when it comes to this game. We need to lock in when it comes to this game. We cannot be cocky. We cannot be arrogant. And I feel like some of the players are going to have that run through their minds and say, okay, we're fine. We'll win. But then they just get then they just get beaten badly, which I don't think that will be the case in this game because Joe Burrow is not that type of dude where it gets to his head. He is locked in 24-7. He is ready to go. With that being said, Chiefs will win this by either three or one. I'm going to go with three. It's going to be 28-25. to 25. Kansas City will move on and potentially face the 49ers and or or not and or or the Eagles. And that's what I got to say about the NFL. Let's have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see how it goes. Backtracking a little bit to college basketball, uh, there is a, one team in particular I really want to talk about, and that is the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue has one loss. They are now, I believe, 20-1, and 19-1. And, and last night, they just beat Michigan 75-70. to 70, And it was, it was a close game. Michigan held their own for the most part, but they lacked something Purdue has. And that is finishing the game at the end of the game. With the last four minutes, Michigan's biggest problem was finishing games. They're now 11-9, 4-3 in the Big Ten. And... I'll talk to Michigan more in a second. And with Purdue, with Zach Eady as their front runner for the John Wooden Award, I will say that Purdue has arguably the best chance to win the national championship at this point. And everyone knows that regular season basketball is so much different than postseason tournament basketball. And I will say Purdue right now has the best chance to win. They have the best front court, best back court. They have the biggest center and the best center in the country. Some could argue Hunter Dickinson, but Zach Eady has been outstanding. He has been extremely hard to defend. Hunter Dickinson had a problem with him last night. And I will say Purdue 
has been underestimated time and time again. I really thought they'd go on to the national championship, or at least the final four with Carson and Edwards, when he was bombing threes from way downtown against Villanova, against Tennessee, and I thought that was going to be the case. And Purdue's only loss was by one point versus Rutgers. And Rutgers has been upset city for a few years now. But with Coach Painter's team, he is creating and developing players unlike anyone else right now, unlike Bill Self, unlike John Carroll Perry, unlike Juwan Howard, unlike Tom Izzo. He is creating players that are going to be elite, not just at the college level, but when they get to the NBA. Now, I'm not saying they will right away because that's extremely hard to do and that's rare to see. But I'm saying he creates players that are going to be talented, they're going to be looked upon highly when it comes to the NBA draft, and they perform and play well together. With that being said, I already mentioned that Purdue is my favorite to win it all. And there's another team I want to bring in, and that is if I can find the list, that is Houston. And Houston just fell one spot to number two, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am mistaken. It's number three. Alabama's number two. And what I, before I get to this team, Houston, this is what I'll say about Alabama. Alabama has been awkwardly good this season. It's 17-2 right now. They have what it takes to basically go all the way. But I feel like they're being overlooked. Alabama, granted, they are not a basketball school. They could be, but they are definitely a football school. And granted, their basketball team is playing extremely well right now. And I don't know all that much about Alabama's basketball program, but I will say that we may not, have to overlook them too much because things could happen in the tournament where they get out first, which is rare, second or even the Sweet 16 rounds. Purdue, I don't think is going to be the case for that. I think they are a locked Final Four team, knock on wood. But I will say anything can happen in March Madness. Anything can happen this season. They could tank the rest of the season, fall out of the rankings. Is that going to be likely? I don't think so. But Houston. Houston is a team that a lot of people have overlooked. They are similar in Purdue, but they have played extremely well against teams like Alabama. They only lost by six. They they beat Virginia. They've beaten Cincinnati. They've beaten... Let's see here. I'm looking at their schedule. They've beaten Oregon, Kent State, St. Mary's. They played a lot of good teams. They've only lost to Alabama. And Alabama, I think, at the time was on a different level. But now I say Houston is on a much different level than Alabama is now. Purdue and Alabama, if they played head-to-head, I would argue Alabama could win. But Purdue, they have the biggest center in the country. They have the best center in the country. It's going to be hard to contain him and even... It's going to be hard to not foul Zach Eady. So, Houston is going to be a one seed in my mind, if not a two. 
but they could be a dark horse one or two because their backcourt is also one of the best in the country and their defense is very, very physical. Not where it's fouling all the time, but it's physical in the sense that they will create turnovers. They will capitalize on those turnovers. And the same thing goes for teams like Xavier, Arizona, Tennessee, and Kansas State. And I'm surprised Kansas State is as high as they are. They're 17-2, number five in the country. So the state of Kansas is arguably the best state for basketball right now. You could argue Texas with Texas, TCU, and Texas Tech was up there at one point as well. But Kansas is the best basketball state in the country right now. At five and nine, respectively, for their teams. Ladies and gentlemen, this next stretch of college basketball is going to be one worth watching. There's going to be a lot of big matchups, a number of potential upsets. And Purdue and Houston are going to be locks for the one seed going into March Madness. Before I go, I'm going to switch topics once again and discuss the Detroit Red Wings as they are in the process of a rebuild, as the majority of Red Wings fans know. And they've been in this rebuild for quite a while now. And currently, they are 21-19-8. They're sixth in the Atlantic Division. It would have been 22-18 and 18 if they hadn't lost tonight to the New York Islanders, but you can't win them all. And I will say this about Detroit. They are, of course, one of the original six teams uh, other than Chicago, the Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens, and Boston Bruins. And what makes them... Uh, stand out is that they have the best logo in all of sports it is unique it is interesting and it is well unique in its own way because it's literally just a tire with wings and that's what makes it so incredible is it's just a unique uh logo that no one would ever imagine but everyone recognizes no matter where you are if you have a red wings hat oh that's the red wings and everyone recognizes what the red wings are even though they may not know exactly who's on the team, who's coaching it, and how they're doing in the NHL. But then again, they are on the road this week with Dylan Larkin's contract up in the works. And I have to say, I expect him to stay as he is now a veteran player. But Steve Eiserman may cut him. And I say that with some hesitancy because anything can happen with the Red Wings, particularly Steve Eiserman cutting one of your better players. And I can't remember how many goals or how many points he has on the season, but I will say that he has been phenomenal and he has just been just incredible for the Red Wings and a true team captain. So for the 2022-23 general stats, he has 46 points and he is projected 80. He has 15 goals, 28 to 6, 43 points, excuse me. 
and I got to say he's been very good for the Red Wings. And it's not just been him. It's been Mo Sider. It's been Michael Rasmussen. It's been Joe Valeno. It's been some of these guys that I've watched here in Grand Rapids when they were with the Grand Rapids Griffins. And they have gone up to, of course, play for the Red Wings. That's kind of how it works. And, of course, Tyler Bertuzzi, he has been on the Red Wings, but he has been on a downslide recently. He's been uh, facing injuries. And then you have Philip Zadina, Robert Hag, all these guys that are on the roster that have just been pretty good. And when they brought in Derek Lalonde, their head coach out of Tampa, I got to say this was a great hire when they brought him in. He knows what he's doing. He's coming back to Detroit. He's been with the Red Wings to an, to some degree before with when I'm when I say that he was with Toledo, their ECHL team, the Walleye, and they are actually doing pretty good too. So Derek Lalonde comes in after a, a few coaching stints that were not so great. And then I got to say what I think the Red Wings are doing is they're taking the slow route to get back to the playoffs. Now, does that mean they're going to be back again in the playoffs this year? No. They're still kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. And I think they're maybe a few trades away and a few picks away from being a contender once again in the NHL playoffs, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And with that being said... Uh, it's still Derek Lalonde's first year. They have an over 500 record. I'm not expecting them to go win the Stanley Cup this year. If they do, great. You've exceeded every single expectation that you've had for you. And the same thing goes for the Lions. And I've talked about the Lions time and time again. And I will continue to talk about them again. Same thing with the Tigers and the Pistons when I decide to talk about them. And the Red Wings are kind of in a unique position because, granted, they have a few uh, contracts that are coming up, i.e. Dylan Larkins, and they could either trade him away for someone that could really benefit the Red Wings or they can keep him on if they think he's a good fit. Now, I think he's, for now, a good fit as team captain and someone who's had 43 points, 15 goals on the season and bound to have many more. And what I will say about the Red Wings is that they, again, are taking the long road for success. And teams sometimes take the long road, and that proves to be fruitful. And other times, like the Los Angeles Rams, they go all in one year, win the Super Bowl, or win the Stanley Cup for when it's a team like hockey. Maybe, I don't know, let's throw out a team, the Chicago Blackhawks, for example. They go in, win the Stanley Cup, and then they're just terrible the next year because they can't afford to keep everyone on their roster again. They have to either uh, send them off to free agency or whatnot, they trade them. So then again, the Red Wings, they're really taking the long haul because ever since I can remember, back in maybe the early 10s, late, oh, late thousands, they started on the decline And now they are slowly rebuilding. And the Red Wings have always been a very good team, historically. And I will say that I'm excited to see what they can do. 
just prior and after the All-Star break coming up the first weekend of February. And I will say that even though they aren't a top team right now, they will definitely get there sooner rather than later. That does it for me on this edition of the Get Stoked Podcast. Come back next week for my analysis of the AFC and NFC games, as well as I'll do some takes on basketball. I really uh, do enjoy talking about basketball. I need to get into it more. And then I will save some nicer, not nicer, but more exciting piece of information then. Uh, But until then, have a great weekend. We will see you next time.